All right, so this week we're going to look at the role of feedback in learning motor skills. Um, we know feedback's really crucial. It's probably one of the most important aspects from a learning perspective to help students acquire motor skills or our athletes to acquire motor skills. Um, you know, we can spend a lot of time in practice uh, and, and, you know, reviewing activities, but if we're practicing incorrectly or practicing the movements incorrectly, we're just going to learn the skill and develop habits um, that might be negatively impacting our motor skill performance. So let's take a look at the role that motor learning and or that feedback plays in motor learning and how we can provide that more effectively to our, our learners. So, uh, so we can look at um, feedback as a catalyst for, for learning. It produces a desirable result in a predictable way. Um, regardless of what our learners' talents and potential are, that feedback is very critical for helping them learn that uh, motor skill the way that we intend for them to learn and that we know is the most efficient way to perform that skill. Um, so feedback really refers to any response related to that information concerning that motor skill, uh, either during the skill practice or after the skill practice. We can get to feedback a variety of different ways, right? Uh, sensory feedback is that type of feedback that students are basically receiving just from performing that task, so that, that Golgi tendon response or, you know, responsive performance, um, whereas augmented feedback is that external feedback that we're providing. Um, so we'll take a deeper look at each of these types of feedbacks, how we classify feedback, and go through the most effective way to de deliver feedback. So looking at classifications of feedback, we can really define feedback as any response related to information received either during or after the production of a movement skill. Uh, we classify these more broadly into two main categories, like I said before, sensory feedback and augmented feedback. So sensory feedback is that information received directly by the performer through their sensory systems. So this is uh, like how they feel, how they see, how, what they hear, what they smell or taste, um, although we're not typically using taste a, a, as a motor feedback, uh, but they're typically brought on by the movement of that skill and, and brought in through their sensory mo motor skills. So um, we typically also refer to this as intrinsic feedback. So sometimes students are going to have better proprioception or better uh, intrinsic feedback related to a motor skill than other students. They're going to be more in tune with their body and, and have a, a better sense of where their body is in space. Um, it's really tightly connected to that potential um, or that athletic potential that we see in, in athletes. Um, sen sensory feedback can be broken down further um, by uh, proprioceptive and extraproceptive feedback. So proprioceptive feedback is that uh, sensory information that comes from the body, such as feel of a movement. Um, in, that's going to be informed by your proprioceptors, so your muscle spindles, um, your joint receptors, Golgi tendon order, organs, that vestibular apparatus in your ear, um, extraproceptive that's going to come from the environment. Um, so your visual and auditory tactile system. So it's coming from outside of the body. Um, the next area that, that we're probably most concerned about when we think about 
uh, setting up lesson design or coaching is augmented feedback. So augmented feedback is feedback that is provided to our athletes. It's from um, an external source. Now, this can be like a person source or we can even use technology to aid us in providing feedback to our athletes. Um, Typically, though, this feedback comes in a variety of different uh, sources as well. Um, it's, it's intended to augment that feedback that the s- students or athletes receive from their sensory systems. Um, you'll typically hear it referred to as extrinsic feedback. It's supplied by a, a source outside of the receiver. Um, thinking about external feedback, we've got two main types in broader categories in terms of verbal and nonverbal feedback. So verbal fe- augmented feedback refers to information that you're verbally giving to your athlete or student. Um, but we can also provide feedback non-verbally. Um, we can deliver it through video, we can deliver it through demonstration, uh, or any other type of non-verbal delivery mechanism. So When we're thinking about augmented feedback, though, there's really an art to the way and how we deliver it. We don't want our students or athletes to become overly reliant on our feedback, specifically as we start thinking about verbal, nonverbal feedback. That nonverbal feedback, I know my coaches could give me a look that told me a lot about what my performance was. Uh, That was that knowledge of performance kind of type of feedback that they they were able to give me through nonverbal signals. But there's an art to the way that we deliver feedback and not making our our students or athletes um, overly reliant on that feedback information to be able to change their performance, right? If they're always looking to the dugout or they're always looking to the, the sideline or they're always looking back to their teacher, in between each performance, they become overly reliant and it takes the learning aspects away um, from that. So when we're thinking about methods of providing feedback, there are three uh, concerns that are relevant. First, how precise should that feedback be? We want to induce some level of learning uh, even when we're providing feedback. It should contain only the most critical information or maybe it should be detailed and comprehensive. Determining what that looks like by the level that your athlete is at or your student is at um, is part of that art form. Maybe early on in the learning, they're going to need really critical, really detailed and comprehensive information. While later on, we're just going to provide a more general overview of what that feedback looks like. Second, when should that feedback be provided? Uh, do we want to provide it immediately or should we wait a second, let them understand what their knowledge of the results are before we could deliver that feedback? How do we deliver that um, feedback to them? And then third, how often should we provide that feedback? Should Do I want to give feedback after every single attempt or maybe do I want to space this out over time? Again, this is going to be dependent on your athletes. You're going to have to get a read for your athletes and your students and understand what's most effective for them. Um, one method of fading the frequency of feedback is the idea of bandwidth feedback. In this idea, we're only providing feedback when the learners fall outside of an acceptable level of, of performance. Um, if it's related to the actual performance or the, the, the results of that performance. So uh, this is 
especially pretty common in, in like a physical education teaching setting, right? Because we can't always be on all of our students. We're doing a lot of, of movement around our space and identifying who needs specific feedback. So we're looking specifically at that level of bandwidth and how much feedback we can give to those students. This kind of forces students to rely a little bit more on that intrinsic feedback. Uh, another method also kind of popular in the physical education world is the idea of providing summary feedback. So after five minutes of practice or 10 minutes of practice, we're going to bring everybody together and give some, some group level feedback or maybe some individual feedback um, that, that was predetermined what the length of that episode was going to be before they got that feedback. However, we collected the information necessary um, during the, that practice episode to understand what specific feedback would need. And then that feedback is provided, you know, after this designated time. And then they send the students back out or the athletes back out to practice more uh, with that feedback in hand. Um, so there's definitely like a balance in how we provide feedback and, and what's the best feedback options for our students and how to get that to them um, the most efficient way possible. So after we think about what the types of feedback are and how to deliver it, the next thing we really need to think about is what's, what is our feedback? What's the content of the feedback? Um, is the what's the specific information that we're actually delivering to them? Um, and what's it look like? Is it qualitative? Is it quantitative? Um, what does that actually look like? So qualitative feedback, I think we talked about this a little bit in uh, biomechanics, but uh, qualitative feedback is really going to refer to what the actual motor skill might look like. So, you know, you might say you're bending your elbow too much or you're not bending your elbow enough. These statements give us information about the movement and about the direction of the error, but they, they might not tell us specifically how big of an error we're having. Quantitative feedback, on the other hand, provides us specific information uh, about the value of that error. For example, um, you might tell the student, okay, you're, you're at 45 degrees here, you, you really need to be more at 30 degrees here in, in your elbow extension as you come through this movement, right? So that's a lot more precise information. You're giving that directly to the student. Um, more often than not, we're providing more of a qualitative statement. Um, and, you know, we get to a point where students or athletes can only process so so much information. So what, what content we're putting in there becomes determinant on both our students and our athletes' abilities uh, and how much feedback we're specifically providing in each one of those um, areas. So as we think more about the content, um, we got a couple of different ways that we can do this. So uh, correct features versus errors, right? So we want to provide feedback in an informational manner. Uh, and sometimes we're, we're trying to correct um, just minor tweaks, and sometimes we're, we're making changes that are just full-skill errors, right? Um, there's more value to learners uh, when you're providing information about the correct aspects of a skill attempt rather than just pointing out what the error that they were making is. So the idea that, um, oh, you did X, Y, and Z wrong versus... Um, okay, so this is how this should look. So research suggests that giving them that corrective feature is going to be more effective than just pointing out what they did wrong, right? Because when you just point out what they did wrong, they don't necessarily have the reference to what, what is right, right? 
right, right? Um, so making sure that we're, we're, we're showing them or just demonstrating or telling them uh, within our feedback, what is the correct version of this actually look like? Um, feedback also has motivational functions, right? So may, by providing that feedback, uh, specifically when we're talking about giving those corrective features, um, it's motivating our learners. It can have a really energizing effect, keeping learners on task, keeping them alert, maintaining their interests, and giving them some prompts for maybe some higher performance goals. Uh, it really just makes practice more enjoyable, makes it feel like they're, what they're doing is worthwhile. So when feedback conveys a message of improvement to learners, it really encourages them to continue exerting efforts, continue to try and improve. Um, conversely, if feedback is always conveying a negative message or uh, pointing out errors, uh, it might lead to less improvement and can help or can uh, discourage athletes or students. Um, and make things a little bit more difficulty, difficult, not difficulty. Um, so the timing of feedback, as I mentioned before, timing and frequency is a pretty critical part of this, right? We can um, delay feedback after their skill performance. We can provide it immediately. We can provide it during the feedback. We can provide it, you know, way down the road. So the way that we think about this and, and kind of the best practice for this uh, research has suggested that delaying the delivery of feedback for just a few seconds after the completion of a performance gives students or athletes the opportunity to process their own intrinsic feedback first. So they're using that sensory feedback that they understand from their um, performance, as well as using that external feedback that you deliver to the students. Um, however, Ideally, we don't want to delay feedback too long. We don't want to allow that short-term memory of the performance to fall out of their uh, fall out of their mind or fall out of their their process um, because it can kind of degrade the performance. If they don't understand what their performance really felt or looked like, then that external feedback becomes uh, a little less um, valuable. Again, the frequency of feedback is important. So, how how frequently do we provide it? We once thought, you know. Hey, give them as much feedback as possible. Um, that's going to make them better, right? But we've we've kind of found that they become a little overly reliant on that feedback. I think I mentioned before, like we don't want to give them so much feedback so that the only feedback or that they're taking in into account is the feedback that we're giving them. It forces them to kind of push away their own sensory feedback, which is also valuable, um, and not learn from them. So one way we can reduce that feedback. Um, is thinking a, a, about strategies for uh, providing them bandwidth of practice opportunities. So I mentioned this again before. What are those kind of segmented practice opportunities that we want to give them? Maybe we're going to give a pitcher, you know, a full pitching episode uh, where they go up against a batter before I actually come back and give them feedback about their, their motion, right? So they've had this series of opportunities. They felt the changes, and then I give them feedback, and then they go through another episode. Um Again, summary feedback uh, works in those larger groups. So there's kind of this paradox then of providing too much feedback um, or not enough feedback. So one of the issues with providing too much feedback is that feedback actually becomes part of the movement task. So um, they're so used to getting feedback during that skill task um, when that feedback is actually removed uh, they, they're not getting that proprioceptive feedback or that environmental feedback. So it's, it's part of that task to them. Um, 
another one is is that short-term corrections, right? So uh, getting so many corrections during practice, they fail to establish a consistent behavior, right? Every time they're changing that uh, that motion, right? They just receive feedback after every attempt. So they don't really have a stable movement. Um, they're making a change basically after every practice attempt or after every opportunity. It's really difficult for them to establish a stable pattern. Um, another issue would be blocking other processing functions, right? So if we're feeding them so much information, we're blocking some of their intrinsic feedback uh, mechanisms. So they're not listening to their body as much. They're listening to the coach and they're not able to get that full processing. So to really think about scheduling, um, when you're, when you're thinking about delivering these feedback, either as a coach or, um, a a teacher, um, what are some ways that are going to be most effective to, Hey, give them enough feedback, but we're not providing feedback so often that it's interfering with some of these other processes. So they actually have the opportunity to learn that specific skill. So again, when thinking about feedback, there are two major types of feedback that we usually kind of consider um, within that action, right? So uh, we have knowledge of performance and we have knowledge of results. So uh, knowledge of results really is feedback that gives them information about the outcome of that performance skill, right? This is, hey, you hit three out of five, right? Or you're, you're just a little high into the right on, on that, that shot attempt, um, bring it back down to the left. Whereas knowledge of performance is going to talk about uh, what the information related to their movement characteristics uh, look like. So the, the movement characteristics information is often more valuable uh, for the student or the athlete as it, as it you know tells them what what related to your movement pattern actually um, caused that knowledge of performance to be off or to be on target right so what what was happening within that motion that led to that information also typically within um, knowledge of results, we're not necessarily giving them a way to fix what that error was. We're just saying, hey, this is what happened. Well, to most athletes, they kind of already know what happened or, you know, what the result was. I, they, she blew by you on that crossover, right? So what within knowledge of performance, which is actually talking about that motor skill, we can typically introduce uh, prescriptive feedback or prescriptive actions that they can ta- take. So prescriptive feedback is also going to supply the, the student or the athlete with information on how to correct that error. It's not only describing the error, um, but what can be done to correct the error. Um, so in, in the basketball player, right, uh, example, rather than just saying, hey, she blew by you there, um, that was the error, right? Um, follow-ups, provide a follow-up session. So you reacted too slowly to your, your, her cut back there because you were watching the ball. So there, there, there's some corrective action there. Rather than watching the ball, focus your attention on her number next time instead of focusing on the ball. Or focus on those hips rather than focusing on the ball. That way your reaction is going to be quicker, right? We're not staying in the error. We're f- providing them some specific feedback on how to change that. So I think an interesting thing to consider here is when we think about using technology um, as a feedback tool. Just as itself, a video replay is kind of giving uh, knowledge of results feedback to our athletes. 
But if the athlete has enough information about the skill to process the motor skill and to think through what that feedback should look like, it does give them the opportunity to receive technology-driven knowledge of performance feedback, right? If a, the athlete doesn't know at what stage they're supposed to shift their weight uh, on a swing, then watching the video doesn't necessarily help um, with that. Um, but if they know what where that phase is supposed to occur, then that video feedback can, can help them identify what their knowledge of performance was. Um, I think this is critical, especially for coaches, when you're thinking about like, you know, watching film. You know, you can have an athlete watch film on themselves all day, but they don't necessarily know what that knowledge of performance during that their skill execution should look like. They're really only getting knowledge of result feedback from that video. So to in, in, increase the effect that that video feedback is going to have, the athletes and students really need to understand what the critical parts of that knowledge of performance are. Um, so if you're having them watch film, you've probably already watched the film, right? Or... Um, maybe you know what those critical elements are, those key components of uh, that, that you're looking for for your athletes to be able to perform. Give them a checklist as they watch that film. What does their movement look like versus what, uh, what happened on, on tape? So they, they're looking through what their actual performance looked like rather than what that result is. If you just give them that unguided tape, it's not that helpful in actually improving their performance. Think, so as we think about the way that we're delivering feedback and how we're going to provide feedback to our, our athletes and our students, I think the main things to concern yourself with is uh, the quality of the feedback, the timing of the feedback, um, and the quantity of the feedback that you're giving to your athletes. Look like for you, especially with the getting through how much time do you have to focus on you know the specific elements of each position each area within your skill um so thinking about how to to maximize your ability to provide the most effective feedback possible for your students and athletes is going to be critical to this um, generally quantitative and uh, feedbacks are, are more effective than than qualitative we can give them the specific amount that they need to in, in a little bit more effective, right? We don't want to give too much information, right? Post-response feedback is, is going to be more effective than feedback um, immediately after that skill performance. So giving them a couple seconds to process before we give that information. Um, and then the frequency of that feedback, right? Uh, higher frequencies are going to generally, uh, you know, overrun the the effect of that feedback and maybe cause some some different errors um, with that. So uh, as you start to process and think about what your plan for providing feedback is, think about uh, what the schedule looks like for you, what the, the key content of that feedback is, and how your feedback's affecting your athletes.